this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Thanks for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. If you didn't know, we do over 100 different after shows a week for your favorite TV series. We do it in podcast and video form, and it's never been easier to start your own podcast to get in with us and talk about the things you love. If you've ever thought about it, go to anchor.fm start to start your own podcast. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and super easy to use. Now, Anchor can match you with sponsors who want to advertise on your show and get you paid right away. Doing over 100 shows a week, it makes it so much easier to be able to cut out things that we want to cut out and insert things that we want to insert to make the show the quality that you, the fans, deserve. So, if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm start. That's anchor.fm start to join us and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. I can't wait to hear it. Today on Talking TED Talks, we're talking the power of the pause. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz What up, AfterBuzz? It's your boy DJ Jesse Janity, live in studio for Talking TED Talks. I am joined by my co-host. Hey, it's Yasin Tamras in the house. And I'm super excited because today's TED Talk, we are talking, the title is, Do This One Thing to Spark Curiosity, Engagement, and Connections. And not only that, because sometimes, you know, we got the we got the Skypes or we have, um, you know, special guests in the show, but this one we actually have the speaker in, in studio. studio! We are so excited to present <laughs> to you our speaker, Ryan Foland. He is a craftsman of communication and black belt of branding has been hailed by Inc. Magazine and Brands24 as top marketer, as well as by the Entrepreneur Magazine, has been recognized as top personal branding expert, managing partner of Influence Tree. And I'm sorry, I just got to introduce you before we actually talk to you, <laughs> which is a branding accelerator. And he coaches leaders to really condense their message and bring their message across wow. using the 313 method, which is three sentences down to one sentence, down to three words, just three words. How cool is that? He has done 
four TED Talks as well. So we're breaking down one. So we might have to bring him in. Oh, yeah, because we got to do the bear, the bear TED Talk. And again. <laughs> and we might have to bring him in again because he's also the author of Ditch the Act, Reveal the Surprising Power of the Real You for Greater Success, which yeah. comes out on October 2019. So let's present here Ryan Folland in the house. Thank wow. you for joining Welcome. us at Artiverse TV on Tilt so and TED So excited Talks. to be here. Aside from the fact that I feel like I'm going to get stung, I feel like... Uh, These they, are friendly bees. Friendly bees. They're 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 they're, they're stingless. No, I'm I'm super pumped to be here. I mean, Yasmin, thanks for the invite, sir. Your outfit, your red and your red shoes. Come on, from a ginger to to somebody else here. This red. I'm just feeling the energy. The red. The red. It's the ten, ten talk. Pow. <laughs> that's, that's what we're about to create. That. We had to come in strong. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, Yasmin said, "Hey, you know, we got these four TED talks. Which one should we start with?" And you know, the reason I really wanted to start with this one specifically was on. Honestly, how short it was. Yeah, that was part. That was part of the challenge for me because doing four, I had an opportunity this time to see if I could squeeze it into a smaller package. And so that was your. That was my choice. specific. Yeah, oh. and honestly, one of the most difficult things is to reduce to the elements, and that is a challenge that I challenge other people with. That is something that I live by. Simplicity is the most powerful thing. It's deceivingly simple because. It is not that simple, yeah. and so it was a it was a lot of work and a lot of fun to just keep reducing, reducing. Think of like your favorite spaghetti sauce, and then it's like that reduction process. You're patiently waiting as all of the steam comes out, and it just leaves all of the great little nuggets, the red little nuggets that you can pour on your pasta. The red again, that yes. <laughs> Have you always been like that, or was it, like I mean, there are there are some people who are born and they love that that mindset of simplicity, minimalism. Uh, was that always something for you? Was your installed by your family or? No, it, it was. I come from a family of educators, so I learned a long time ago my passion for education was what got me to be able to do whatever I wanted. And as long as I pulled in the grades, I sort of had that freedom. But what really got me interested in simplicity was when I started working with entrepreneurs who talk too much. I mean, it, it is amazing when you literally are talking with somebody and all you get to say is, so what, what's this idea of yours? And then they talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And so in working with them, we took all we brought them to our land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth we made this curse carved it in the blood on our backs we did not see we could not but she did and in the end what will i become senwa saga hellblade 2 play it now with game pass i had to try these different methods to get it down to the simple, the, to its actual core. And so I'd say, explain your idea in the fewest amount of words possible. And then they would just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And so I was like, all right, well, let's just, let's just say, what is the, what is the problem that you're solving? And then they tell me what they do. No, no, not what you do, just the problem that you solve. So I went through this, this exercise and I, that's how I developed the 313 method where I work with somebody and essentially it boils down their messaging to three sentences one sentence, and three words. Mm. And it essentially is based on three different rules. First rule is, I don't care what you do. You see, I've got problems, and so do you. You won't get me interested explaining minor pain. you got to solve your problem in a finger-chop way. 
Rule number two, you talk too much like a giddy little kid in a yellow school bus. Start with the what, not with the how. Make it conversational and learn to shut your mouth. Rule number three, create intrigue. Talk about your target market to the nth degree. Tap into the FOMO of the person who is listening. Say anyone or everyone and you will be less interesting. The goal of your pitch is for them to want more. Don't miss opportunity knocking at the door. Calculator, stand, water, booties, or a bookmark. No matter what your big idea, now you know where to start. First you state the problem. Then you say you solve it. And don't, 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 don't forget the market. Woo! That was so That's awesome. It. I'm down, <laughs> I feel like I've had a really big lesson just in this little rap. We're cutting that click <laughs> and we're, we're shipping it around. <laughs> Rip it off around the world. I mean, that's so impressive. I just, I need to, I have so many questions right now as to how you came up with this rap, how you came up with the 313 method. And, um, you know, like having been hailed as top marketer, top personal branding expert as well. It's just, it must have been a journey. And so I'm curious to know how you've managed to do this. Yes. And if you notice... such a phenomenal speaker. Yeah. And if you just notice what happened right there, you were talking, I was like, I was like, I was want to, and I wouldn't. And that's what this, this, this talk is all about is being patient enough to listen to people for them to finish, for then you to talk. Because we get excited, we just want to jump mm-hmm. over. So I was feeling myself wanting to meow, pounce, pounce, pounce. And I was like, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> I could feel the pounds as well, that yeah. energy. And I was still going, and I thought, okay, let me stop. <laughs> oh, see, I'm still in the energy of the song. So I know, like, right? Exactly. Oh, we, got, we got more. <laughs> you got bounce. an idea, once you bring it right here. You want to change the world? I love to hear. It could be big, or it could be small, or it could be for profit, and not at all. But if I ask you what you do... Do you ramble like a babbling fool? Do you talk so fast that you blew in the face? Is your big idea all over the place? Yeah. Yes, okay, when's the cartoon coming out? Actually, like... yeah. Can we just make this whole show a rap show? <laughs> we can, <laughs> we can, we can. And I'm working on my rap for Ditch the Act, which I might reveal at the later part of the show. But back to the question at hand, which is how did this all start and where is it in the journey? Yeah. Uh, it actually really started at a point where I thought I was going to get fired from a job. And this is something that was somewhat new to me because I had been historically an entrepreneur and I had a lot of successes and a lot more failures. And I was brought onto the University of California, Irvine to run and start their first ever undergraduate entrepreneurship program. And we did so well within 18 months. We had started over 2,400 companies. We had a mailing list of 15,000. We had a 78% recognition rate on campus, which is unheard of. And we were doing stupid stuff that I thought was fun, like making seven-foot paper airplanes and throwing them off the student center, and then I'd get in trouble for it. We made a Snapchat ghost. We talked about Snapchat's kind of yes. dead now. But we made a Snapchat ghost. We'd hide it in professors' lectures, and we'd have <laughs> games on campus. I got, uh, I got those hoverboards to be sponsored, and then the school eliminated them to be on campus. So I was just shaking the cages of the university. And so they called me into my boss's boss's office, and it was this sort of unannounced meeting, and it was like, where's the white box? kind of thing. And in the moment, I was like, I'm getting fired. This sucks because I start this company and then it fails and now it's on to the next company. And mm. then my whole identity is what my new idea is. And, and my identity is what wow. I'm doing. And then and then it starts all over. And I think we find ourselves starting over and over. And it's like, okay, this is what's going on now. Oh, this is what's really cool. But at that moment, it's something called an inciting incident. It's say when you know that you need to lose weight, but then you don't do anything until your pants rip. And yep. you're like, mm, at that moment. That pivotal moment. So as my boss's boss is, is talking to me with his hand out, talking about, I see what you're doing on social media, and you we're getting all these calls and everything. And at that moment, I was like, I'm getting fired. At this point, it's no more just for everybody else. It's no more just for my company. It, from this point on, no matter what happens, 
everything is going to be one for me, one for you. Because I had invested everything into mm-hmm. this program. It's like, what's up, Ryan? Oh, this program is so amazing. So that was the moment I started to make the decision to invest in my own personal brand. Mm-hmm. That was it. And it was that moment. That was like almost five years ago. And so from that point, I knew that I needed to create content. So I wrote 50 blogs over the summer, and I was telling everybody I'd speak, and I'd do everything for free, and I'd host, and I'd do all this stuff. But nobody read my articles. Nobody wanted me to speak, even for free. And I got into this point where I was like, I'm doing everything that I should be doing, mm-hmm. but nothing is happening. And so uh, serendipitously, I get invited to Keith Frazzi's house for a dinner party. And Keith Frazzi wrote a book called Never Eat Alone. Fantastic. One of the New York Times bestselling book. And it's, he, he's famous for having these dinner parties where he actually gets to know people. And he leads with radical candor. So there's this party, people, entrepreneurs from all around the world. And he says, camera's down. And he shares a very personal story. And he says, this is this challenge that I'm going through right now. And as you all take your seats around the dinner, you have numbers on the bottom of your plates. As you're introducing yourself, you have to start with what's going wrong professionally and personally. Ooh, that's awesome. Cut through the small talk. Get right deep into it. I love it. So in this table, people overlooking the Hollywood Hills, it's just this amazing place. And there's a guy doing a, had a big oboe and he was dressed in a cloud suit, like literally had clouds on his suit. It was just, it was just, that sounds pretty dope. Up in the skies and the hills. (laughs) And so I I stand up. I was the only person that stood up. This is my Toastmasters in me. If you're going to, if you're going to speak in a setting, stand up. Yeah. People can hear you. They can see you. So I stood up and I was like. I'm writing all kinds of stuff. Nobody reads it. All I want to do is speak and nobody cares. I have no idea what I'm doing on the social media thing. And I need help. That was that was it. So everybody goes around the table. And this other guy is like, well, uh, I've got 10 million reads, but I don't really care because I'm just really, you know, I'm just sort of speaking my mind. And everybody asked me to speak, but I just don't really want to speak. And I just broke up with my girlfriend. I'm not really confident enough. And I'm just, you know, I'm just... Uh, that was like a different problem there. Yeah, so like I went up to him afterwards, you guys can help and you I said, yeah. I literally said, I can help you if you can help me. I've got confidence for days. Like, freckles give me energy, and I can transfer them to you, <laughs> Yay, right? <freckles. laughs> Yay for freckles. Wear your sunscreen, though. And so uh, that was Leonard Kim, and that started this sort of uh, friendship that became a mm. business relationship. And he had the reads. He had the following. And basically, he said, look, write down everything that you're doing. And I wrote it all down, and he basically went... Okay, you're doing the right stuff. It's just in the wrong order. Oh. And that it was really the moment where I became the test pilot for our company in building a brand. And it starts with a certain step. You know, you have to understand where you want to go. You have to actually have an authentic bio. If you go look at most people's bios, it's I'm a badass, I'm a badass, I'm a badass. This is where I won. This is where I win. This is why I'm winning. But people don't connect with that. So he helped me to get authentic, get real, and basically be like, here's my life, here's all the things that have totally messed up, and here's why I am who I am today. And one of those things that that I was hiding was getting into um, some legal trouble with the business I had, and actually had an FTC investigation on a company that I had left five years ago, and it came back to bite me in the ass, and I was so afraid to share it because you don't want to share that. But mm-hmm. he gave me the strength to share it, get in front of it, and that is why I am who I am because of that situation, because I want to help people do things in a way that, that are above board and, and looking at relationships that you have with people and not being too trusting, all these things. So as soon as I started to get in front of everything, people started to be like, oh, this guy's not just another blowhard who's saying he's a speaker and a writer. He's actually a real person. He's he's actually fallible. He's He's perfectly imperfect. And the more I exposed myself for, like, all of my fallacies, uh, 
people started to see me as not just another person who's trying to be a speaker, trying to be this. They actually started to listen. And when it comes to it, you have to get people to get to know you. You have to get people to get to like you and then trust you. And that's the, the process. So in building my brand, I've really, the first step is it started to happen when I let people start to know who I was. Mm-hmm. And that, that initial journey I explained in uh, my second TEDx talk, which is called Borderline Millennial Disorder. Because I'm a millennial technically, but I'm like, I don't really didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's been an interesting journey, but it has been a journey. And that's why we're so excited about this book, Ditch the Act, Reveal the Surprising Power of the Real You. People want to connect with you where you mess up. And so, you know, there are tweets I was sharing. I tweeted that I had something in my shoe the other day, but I was too lazy to take my shoe off. Has that ever happened you to know, you? I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just leave that stone in there. It's and, fine. And so I connected with a whole bunch of people, made all kinds of friends that day because, you know, I wasn't promoting a podcast. I've got two podcasts and a radio show and I keynote speak around the world. I do all these things, but people connect when they get to know you. And so that's a long answer to yes. where I'm at. And it's it's just amazing because you stop having to worry about playing certain personas right. with your family or with your friends or with your coworkers. You start to become who you are, and then people are attracted to that just genuineness, and, and it's a lot less stress and anxiety. It's so funny we say that because we live in this generation where when reality TV first came out, it was, wow, these people are exposing the things that we do in our, in the privacy of our homes, you know what I mean? When you right. could kind of relate, obviously on a more campier level, yeah. but it was like, you know, I'm, I'm not living in a house with seven people, and so this <laughs> would never happen to me. Right. But I would react the same way. So, and it's become this thing of, this uh, authentic thing that we start becoming in our lives from from a, a media perspective of how I feel that this generation is being raised. And it's interesting to me because I feel like we live in a world where the millennials want to show themselves every aspect. Right. But why is there a mask right now of perfection or what we I idolize? It's called as Instagram. Yes. <laughs> you know, is it? Would you say really it goes towards Instagram? Like I, I think it's it's the Instagram culture. Mm-hmm. It's taking it's having the technology to have so many options that you get to pick and choose what you feel you look best at. Yeah. But when you are, are choosing what you look best at in comparison to other people that you think are looking good, then it creates this sort of overarching culture that we should only share the good. But if you only share the good, then there's not as much to connect or relate with. And so it's once you share the bad and your version of ugly. But here's the challenge. If you want to be more authentic and you want to share a bad hair day or a rock in your shoe or a pimple on your forehead before you go on stage, then it's not like you can just go good, 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 and then like bad. People will think that you're losing your crap, right? (laughs) So there's this challenge where people know that authenticity is real. They might maybe have it. Here's my challenge. If you are... Think of the messaging, the text messaging that you have with your friends. Sometimes it's silly, stupid stuff mm-hmm. that you never share online. But it's texting conversation back and forth, like like stuff that no one would think to share, but that's what you're engaging with. So if you think about wanting to become more authentic, the trick is to expose it in little steps. So we have these five levels of exposure. And once you start to share the stupid little stuff that that literally you would not share or you'd text with just your friends people will start to react to that. It gives them a chance to add value. Mm. I love Twitter, and and people still are confused by it. And that's where I spend my time, because I can spark small, little, real conversations with people. And if I'm on Twitter and I say, here's a podcast, what is is somebody, what what is one of my followers going to do about it? 
like it, that's it, right? There's not much to do with it. Mm-hmm. But if I, so in my in my alley, there's this palm tree, and the palm tree. I, is growing between two cracks, and I'm always inspired by nature. And I'm uh. like, you little palm tree, grow! And I get so excited, it grows, and then all of a sudden the gardener comes and chops its head off. No! Yeah, and That's so this so morning, nice. I'm driving by, and it had been chopped off, and when it got chopped off, I took a picture and I tweeted it, and I was like, they cut my palm tree. Like, it's not my palm tree, but, like, I feel bad about it. And then today, I stopped in the car, in the, in the middle of the alley, took a picture of it, and I said, it's coming back. <laughs> and, and it's had a little sprout. And that's not me promoting myself. That's like literally I was thinking, oh, it's little tree. It. But it promotes your personality, exactly. your yeah. authenticity. And yeah. it's, it's just me. So people now know I'm into nature. And all this conversation is going back and forth about, you know, somebody's like, get it and, and plant mm-hmm. it and steal mm-hmm. it. Anyways, the idea here is that if you start to expose yourself in little tiny steps, then you can work up to being investigated by the FTC where people are like, whoa. But then they understand when they see what happened. Work. They're like, whoa, yeah. I, I really feel you. You've you've been there, done that. Or if you've had a failure business, it's not like everything's great. Um, yeah, I just failed my business. It's almost like there's this culture around failure that I can't wait to be successful so I can share my failure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yes. And people, so instead of, <laughs> hey, let's go on the journey together. Right. It's it's all about bringing people along and giving them yeah. giving them the chance to add value to you. Don't You can't think of of this as a broadcast, but it's it's this, it's a conversation. And here's where it ties back in with the pause. If you are only talking and you're not creating space for other people to participate, then you're not going to get that connection. Mm-hmm. Because the more you talk, the less people listen. And the less you talk, the more people ask questions. Now, questions sparks curiosity. Curiosity sparks conversations that actually connect with people. So, if you just learn to sort of rein in on your blabbermouth, then you'll start to actually get other people to mm-hmm. get involved in the conversation. And so pausing and being a pauser, not a pouncer, is is something that can literally take your communication completely off the Richter scale. Whereas maybe you don't feel like you're a good communicator, just put more pause in between what you're saying. People will take you more seriously. You'll be able to listen listen, listen, and then speak, and then what you say is more profound. Yeah, I mean, they'll be curious to know, wait, what is he saying next? Because you have that little in-between moment. And I think it's fascinating how you brought up in your talk, it takes 0.2 seconds of a pause to be registered. And then zero. Well, oh, oh, so there was a, there was a huge global linguistic study that was done. Yeah, so I was curious about that. How you came to those findings? Well, I didn't do the linguistic study. <laughs> that, that found it. <laughs> Who found it? How did you find it? But it's pretty phenomenal that you stumbled across it, and that's the encompassing of your TED talk right yeah. now, right? So, yeah. So, what was this global linguistics finding? It was a study across cultures and continents to time the gap between when I stop talking and you start talking. And they measured this in, they would literally film people talking, they would use uh, all kinds of means to capture it, and it was a classic bell curve, to where on the one end, you had the Norwegians that had the biggest gap. It was something like 0.7 seconds, or oh. almost a second, where, you know, they're, they're Swedish, Norwegian, they're just like, alright, we're going to talk, talk, and then it's Okay, now it's your turn to talk, right? It's just it's just a different culture. That's but fascinating. I'm sorry because I know that culture pretty well. I have a lot of friends there. They talk a lot, very very fast, but they do pause very long after they are done talking. Right. It's not about the Awkward. speed at which you're talking. It's, <laughs> it's 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 that pause. And then on the other end, the Asian culture is is sometimes almost unregistrable because yeah. it's just it's just going going going. It's it's almost like you know point zero 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 something or other. But the average is two milliseconds. 
So it's, it's literally faster than a blink of an eye. And when I, when I was doing more research and found that really the, the average time of us to take words and gather them into yeah, a sentence 0.6, right? and then say it is between 0.4 to 0.6. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, the average gap is less than the time it takes you to formulate the sentence. And so that's where this crossover is. Like as I'm talking, you might be thinking like what you want to say next. And that's, that's what you're doing. So when you're, when you're thinking about what you're going to say, you're not really listening to the person. Mm. And so that just fascinated me when it comes to communication. And I'm always looking for advice that is hiding in plain sight. Right there. And this is one of those things that you don't have to have an education for. You don't have to be trained for. You don't have to download a course for. You literally can just wait a little bit longer before you reply. You don't think you have to be trained for it, though? Because I do feel like there's a certain level of awareness that you have to then obtain and practice. Right, but I'm saying you don't have to get a certificate to pause. (laughs) This is something that is right there in front of you. A certificate of pause. I think as you get older, you start to naturally... Learn that, like it's kind of like. Uh, as you Do get, you though? I know well, people that. No, are, are that's you talking true. older, older, or what generation? I'm, okay, in my <laughs> in my personal, for me, as I've gotten older, I have pulled back. I grew up with Native Americans, and it's, so it's funny you said that about the pacing of conversation. Because when I actually think of them as a group and how they speak to each other, it's so it's seamless, but it's but it's a slower pace than. I'm from Boston, so like someone in my in my city, it's you know it's a little faster, um, and where they do step on each other, and but it it meshes somehow. And so, huh. for me, when you say that, as I've gotten older, I've learned to speak less, hear what the person's saying. I mean, also then I also got into interviewing people, so I think that's a little different too. But I get, I guess it, you, I start wondering why am I over explaining myself? Why, you know, why is this per- You've said this five times. Like I've heard you say this five times already now, you know? So I start questioning myself. And I think that as you get older, you do start questioning that or you stop caring to over explain yourself. It gets tiresome. Now, now I can't say that about my grandmother, but because she will explain it several times. To make sure you really <laughs> that's understand. That's a typical it. granny thing, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> But see, we so make it comes excuses. with age, yeah. then. Hey, uh, yeah, I guess so. I, why, I, in your research, why do you feel people have the need to over-explain? One, because they're excited about what they're saying, and there's this this sense of scarcity of time, and that you 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 want to want to want to want to jump 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 in and get just just be heard. And I think the fact that we can all pick up a mobile device and tweet out whatever we want and say anything on mm-hmm. command and have multiple conversations, the speed at which I think we and, and, and a younger generation is used to communicating is lightning fast. It's like imagine like I grew up without a phone and then I had a pager and yeah. then I had a, a, a cell phone and then a smartphone. And so I've had the experience of, of understanding a different type of communication. But literally when everyone is on their phone all the time and it's like you're texting while you're doing something and then you're on the phone and then like somebody's talking and have you ever been on the phone with somebody and you are looking at your phone and you're checking in with something else yeah you're just not you're just not listening so i don't i don't i think it's almost like this add culture of like uh, attention span Mm -hmm. nothing about attention deficit disorder it's 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 about the lack of attention squirrel like what's happening and so i think that that plays a big part into it i also think that we're communicating less in person yes. and more online. You know, uh, Gen Z, they're afraid of, uh, I don't know, are, are they afraid of the phone call? 
Like, nobody nobody calls anymore. I don't know. Recently, I've been experiencing a little bit of a shift, but I do agree. Yeah. But do you think it's because we're conscious of that? Like, for me, I do yeah. do that. I'm, if it's somebody, it's like, okay, pick up the phone and make the phone call. Like, yeah. don't just send a three-word text. Yeah. But is yeah. that person going to pick it up? Or are they going to feel awkward? I just Someday. think that, I yeah, think that, I think so we're, lo- I so think we're losing some of the... the personability and art when it comes to just communicating yeah. with people. Mm-hmm. And that's because we turn to our phone as a default. I think people are afraid of the pause, that space. If you're in a conversation and there's just a, just this, the smallest amount of silence, it, it unnerves people, but it actually is a way that you can control the pace and, and create more comfort. And... I love the pause, by the way. I'm yeah. all about the pause. But I guess it's true what you're saying as well. Um, you know, because we're constantly having so many different conversations with so many different people that when it does come to a halt, and if we are face-to-face, and we're talking, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, what do we say next, or what are we talking about next? People just feel uneasy about it. And then what do they turn to? Maybe their phones, or like just, I don't know, Especially something Especially with like yeah. dating in 2019. Yes. It, I could just see it, like, oh, it was awkward. He was awkward. We were talking <laughs> And then it paused, and then it's just saying, like, what are we going to, you know? So I think each situation is different because now we've become accustomed to, like, oh, it was awkward. So I just, we both pulled out our phones kind of thing. Yeah. We yeah. always go, it's funny, every TED Talk, it's about technology. It's about, technology. It's about <laughs> understanding the world of technology and that it is okay. It's funny, I love FaceTiming people. Oh, yeah. I love That's it. It's nice, actually. You and, get to see them in person. Yeah. Do you know how many times I don't get the phone picked up? Mommy, you like to you yeah, like FaceTime? You know what I mean? She's like, yeah, FaceTime all the way. <laughs> how many people are... Yeah. How many people are scared of it? Like, they're like, don't... You don't know what Especially I... Especially girls, okay? They're like, oh my God, wait, do I look good enough? Right, but but, <laughs> but think about this almost within a ditch the act, right? To, to be able to not worry about what you look like, the connection, like, you just lit up, like... In the world, it was just like this microcosm of the real connection that you have with people when you're looking at their face. And if you are afraid of what you look like, you're going to be missing out on those connections, right? So I think at the end of the day, the pause has power to slow things down. I think we just go so fast and everything is at such warp speed. But just a little bit of dead air actually just like kind of calms the room Mm -hmm. down and, and helps you to create this environment and I I, I just, know I, I, know. Just saw I you, was like I, saw you yeah. I gotta bounce <laughs> just because um, <laughs> seeing what we've been talking about so far I feel like there are also a couple of elements uh, other layers like the one thing that you mentioned of this person that's like uh, 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 just like I was just now but it's also it, it, I wonder if that also stems from something within your childhood or your upbringing you were never mm. heard you want to be heard or why are we in it's our funny. professions that we're in now for instance as <laughs> right. speakers you know I know for myself I was the shyest kid on earth I wouldn't even say hi or thank you to my grandmother because I was very shy and I got shunned for it but I know to your grandmother? yeah well I, I oh, just didn't even say in the room hi too. mommy's in the room but she knows it <laughs> and it was just one of those things because I didn't I just I didn't know how to use my voice I didn't know how to speak up and um, I think you know maybe that's why I like, flipped that kind of like weak or not weakness but something that just didn't work so well and flipped it now however um i know in acting for instance when you go to acting classes they'll say the one person that you will notice the most within a scene is the one that's quiet and doesn't do anything because you're curious to know as to what they're going to do when they're going to do it subtext Mm-hmm. You know, I have a degree in dramatic art as well, okay. uh, business economics and dramatic art. And I think that that combo has really given me an insight to see this weird track where you can be you can have business acumen or you can sort of be able to understand communication. But it's when those two worlds mesh 
that really magic happens. Because you can have the best idea in the world that's communicated inefficiently or in a way that does not make it exciting. And that's where I'm passionate about this 313 and these other elements and helping people tap into who they are. Because the idea might be amazing. But if they can't not only communicate it, but if they can't keep the interest, mm-hmm. it's not about it's not about pitching. It's about keeping and maintaining interest. And here, here's a little one of my favorite things about the three one three, and it really rattles the cages of what everybody is used to. Do you ever get asked what do you do? Um, Here in LA, it's, it's almost like you get tired of it. It's pretty much the question. And so, what do you do when somebody asks you that? You you get into explaining what you do, right? So I argue that people don't care what you do. I'm sorry if that sounds harsh, and I'd love your opinion. I believe that they care more about the problem that you're solving. What are your thoughts on that? Hmm. Mm, Everywhere else in the world, I agree. In L.A., I feel like, personally, how I've felt that question is, is more geared towards, how can you help me? Yes. Right. So the, yes. So I. So that's the basis of so it, right? So the problem is the problem that you're solving is in. Can you help me? Yeah. Right. So what's in it for yeah. me? Because secretly, when somebody's asking you what do you do, they're just waiting for you to an- to finish answering. Yeah. So they hope that you ask them what you do, so mm-hmm. that you can tell, so that you hope that they're listening. But secretly, they're not listening just because they realize that you aren't listening, and then the whole thing just happens and repeats over and over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of. So here's the here's the way to flip the whole thing. Ask me what I do. What do you do? You know, it's, this may sound funny, but it's actually not what I do that's important. It's the problem that I solve. And that intrigues me. Well, what's the problem me? that you solve? <laughs> and then and now we just started now the conversation. Now I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah. And, and I can literally now just tell you a single problem and then watch this. Uh, okay, here, here's a problem as an example. Entrepreneurs who talk too much talk themselves out of deals, out of relationships, and out of what they always wanted to do. Would you agree that that's a problem? Yeah. I yeah. Guess not. Okay. But just in a, in a general sense, right? Yes. yes. It's it's either a yes or no. Yes. So let's say yes. Okay. Is that a problem that either of you have? That you talk too much? No. <laughs> no. Okay. Now, do you have now do you have any friends that you know that talk too much? Yes. Yes. Okay. Mother. I can help them out. <laughs> See how that works? Yes. First of all, I identified real quick that my problem isn't something that you guys would. I would need solving. So I didn't even go down that lane. I asked if you had a friend. You both said yes, and I can help that person out. So I'm done explaining. Now there's this curiosity. Now you're more likely to introduce me to your friend. Mm-hmm. Now if you told me that you had that problem or whatever problem it was that I said, then I would say, is it something that you're looking to solve anytime soon? And if you said yes, I'd smile and go, I can help you out. But you don't even know what I do. So this idea of, of really getting people to engage into that core of like what's in it for them will help them be more interested in what you actually do. And so that's just one cornerstone example of when somebody asks you what you do, tell them that you do a lot of stuff, but that's not really what's important. Mm-hmm. What's important is, is the problem that you're passionate about solving or whatever that may be. And they will ask you, what is the problem? And uh, there you go. It's funny you say that because it's almost like we've become so accustomed to conversation that... Like you said, it just becomes this transaction. Mm-hmm. And when I first met Yasmin, you said we were talking about like how do we write how do we propose how do we write to these speakers and say to get them in? And you said something that is interesting because it almost piggybacks off that is let's not 
say, could you come to the show? Oh. What was it again? <laughs> uh, would you oppose the idea or something? It was like a negation rather than a, like... Because you're reading it, you're like, oh, this is the easy transaction. Boom, yes. pause. Okay, wait, hold up. Exactly. You, and you yes. know how to get somebody interested in what you're doing is tell them it's probably not something that they'd be interested yeah. in. Right? <laughs> so it, it's... Yeah, th- my, my third TEDx talk, which maybe we'll talk about it at a later date, but it's called Why No One Cares What You Do. And it, it is it is revolved around that process because people really are in it for themselves. And if you realize that, it's not a bad thing. It just is helping to save and be efficient with your time to make sure that as you're engaging with people, you're, you're connecting where it makes sense instead of just a bunch of lip service. Mm-hmm. And that lip service is just like posting out into the oblivion, uh, hoping that people see and like you for what you uh, for what all the good is and it's funny 313 right so trace uno trace and then to go back to the last question you said is where does that come from like a childhood thing or not and i almost want to say you actually answered it in this ted talk with three words you say conversation oh not three four are not competition (laughs) yes and so i almost that when you said that when you asked that question i read that quote it brought me to is it that our primal instinct is I have to fend for myself. We, we're mm-hmm. always in competition. But to me, you know, there were times where I, I, I look at myself now and I'm like, I was competing to try and say it first and know it first. And as you get older, it's like I enjoy conversation because yeah. mm-hmm. you really can sit and listen and find out. I can instantly within four to five minutes, I mean, probably even less than that, know like, oh, this ain't going to be the conversation for me. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to exit this. So would you go back to that primal instinct, like as far as why we naturally want to do that? I think it comes down it. to I- excitement, right? In, in my first talk, I talk about the croc brain and, and the fact that you literally, your body is just trying not to die. Like my, all my signals are like my peripherals are looking to make sure a bear doesn't come in through that door right now. And if he did, then I'd be like, whoa. And I have to identify if that's a real threat. So I think there's a lot of um, evolution that we can point to from survival techniques to, you know, um, making sure that you can create a safe environment to making sure that there's, you know, who's the silverback here, right? Who's who, like, if you look to nature, if you look at mating and, yeah. and different stuff, it's all about showing off. It's all about being the most peacocking. dominant. <laughs> yeah, peacocking for sure, right? So I think that peacocking is a way to... Um, that, that you can tie in this like evolutionary like need to, but when we're in a conversation, the words that come out of our mouth are very like that's 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 what we're doing. I love how you just explained that, and I managed to encompass one word to your explanation just there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it fascinated me though. Um, you know, we we post some of our our fans, our teddies. Our teddies. We like to call them teddies. teddies. Oh, teddies. What sparks curiosity in other people? And some of them said life experiences. Cut through the small talk, so essentially what happened at the dinner table. Yep. Um, think outside of the box. Don't follow cultural society blindly. Hmm. And how people overcome adversities and a child's point of view. So I feel like this is encompassing everything that we've spoken about, like whether that's like childhood, environment, upbringing, as to why we speak the way we speak and why we act the way we speak, how we interact with each other. Yeah. Um, our next question was of, are you conscious of how long you pause? And actually it was 50-50. I see that though, because I... It, it fascinated me to see though, how many people said no and how many people said yes and who said yes and no. Because I, it's funny for me, but I, 
never paid attention to conversation, right? Until I started doing this. And then you have to pay attention to dead air. You have to, yeah. if sometimes the guest doesn't, comes in and it's like, am, am I a dentist at this point? Like, <laughs> right, where you, ask, oh, yeah. you ask a question, they're like, yes, the answer is two. And you're like, Okay. okay, so we're going to scratch all these out. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a skill that you, that you have to keep it, and in, in you're trying to keep your listeners inspired by sparking curiosity, yeah. by, by going down these little rabbit holes of things that are of interest. And mm-hmm. I think we're naturally curious creatures, but I also think that we are excited about the knowledge that we've gained, mm-hmm. and there's this fight, there's this juxtaposition between, oh, I just saw this TEDx talk, now I know a little bit more. Oh, I just read this book, mm-hmm. let me share it with you. We're constantly learning, and I think that communicating and sharing these ideas is a way to, to, to practice. One, one tip that I give people who want to become better public speakers, I, I call it information regurgitation. Because I believe that, oh, are, are you guys public speakers? Would you consider yeah. yourselves? Yes. Well, yeah, I'm, I, doing, I'm doing this. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> most, most people, well, most people that I ask, they say no. And I say, if you speak in public, then you are a public speaker. It's a scientific fact that you cannot argue either. Right? So the, if you think of every time that you're communicating as a chance of being on stage, we're on a stage right now, or if you read a book or you watch a talk, that information, try to regurgitate it. Talk about what happened on the Game of Thrones and do it as a little mini TED Talk. Do it as a little mini something, right? What's amazing about TED Talks is it's one big idea. Mm-hmm. It's not a whole bunch of rambling, rambling. And I think we tend to ramble, ramble. So challenge yourself to create little mini TED Talks that are like poignant, that might have some research behind it, that you've thought about, and that you can leverage other information on. And it's a way to practice the way you're communicating and even the cadence in which you are to create the sort of environment that is sparking curiosity. So you're bringing awareness to it because, you know, sometimes when you are speaking to or some people when they talk about something that they are actually enthusiastic about, but you don't feel it. Right. There's no, like, energy I've there I've been as working well. on this very hard, and this is a project that I've, you know, it's like, well... <laughs> well, all right. Um, what kind of advice can you give to them? Because they might be very, like, the way that they talk, it's their form, it's always been like that, but... To be animated about everything that you talk about, it does take a certain level of energy and curiosity, of course. And even the hand movements that I've noticed, you specifically with your paws. And like, is that is that something that you've also kind of there's a, there's a coordination. Yeah. And if you if you think about your hands as a way to express and enunciate, right? Like, I didn't even say it, but I was doing this, and she's like, express. <laughs> yes. I, I learned about expression through martial arts. Now, as a kid, I was bullied. I, my freckles are my power now, and they were my, they were my kryptonite when I was a kid because I would leave for the summer to go to Catalina Island because my parents were educators, and I, so I'd come back, bleach blonde hair, freckles, and just an outcast because I hadn't hung out with everybody all summer. So I got picked on, I got beat up, all this sort of stuff, and at a certain point, um, I locked myself in my room, which is a no-no, not allowed to have locked doors in my house, and so my dad, like, broke through the door. I was crying, listening to Don't Worry, Be Happy. It was, like, the low, the low of my moment. That was my inciting incident. My dad said, that's it. We're going to karate right now. Wow. And literally, karate taught me that you can speak without speaking. And I'll do this as an exercise sometimes. I'll, I'll just say... Mm. And the person will stop, get up, walk towards me, go back and sit down. I'll be like... I didn't say anything, but you are communicating. In fact, you cannot not 
communicate. So those who are listening, because this is also on Spotify and iTunes, <laughs> Brian was just doing some hand gestures there, like stop, come. So <laughs> we saw it, so we understood. So, yeah. so, I, so I learned at an early age to, to combat bullying by communicating. I was not somebody to mess with. Like I was able to raise my shoulders and have that yeah. confidence, that strong stance. And so, uh, you know, a lot of what you say is what you're doing while you say it. And I tell people, your talk doesn't start when you start talking. Your talk starts when someone sees you. And oftentimes, they're right next to the stage, like a nervous wreck. And then Ryan Folland up next, and, he, and you're like, hello, my name's <laughs> Ryan, right? You're like, and you think you nailed the start, but the start, your speech starts when someone sees you. So my advice to people who are maybe a bit more introverted and they're a bit more, uh, they're less animated, there's nothing wrong with that. But practice regurgitation information and find something like a Game of Thrones episode that you could be excited about. You don't have to come up with your own stuff, right? You can start and practice with other things like a sports game or recap of the last 10 seconds of the game and like, oh my God, and he was there and he did this. So I think successful people and we can insert something else with people. This is like my favorite piece of advice right here. So successful communicators are not doing things that everybody else cannot do. Successful communicators are doing what everyone else can do, but not everyone does. Mm. Mm, I like that. It could be getting up early. It could be going to the gym. It could be watching a TED Talk every day. It could be anything. Like, we all are looking for these hacks. We're looking for the apps. We're looking for the ways around how we need, like, I remember as a kid, it's like, you're singing, like, there's a mountain. Can't go under it. Can't go around it. Can't, you know, it's like you're singing, like, all these options. But it's like, people are looking at these mountains, and they're like, they're not realizing they can just walk around it yeah. and take the long way. So I think there's too many people that are looking for hacks. My advice is, like, put in the work, That's so right? Put into yourself. <laughs> yeah. It's all within you. Yes, yeah. you have the power to do that. And once you ditch the act and bring people along the process and you share the misery and frustrations along the way, I put out a, a quote the other day that was something to the extent of, like, you know, tell me how you're actually really feeling. And this guy I've interacted with, he's like, I just have to tell you, I've had the worst day. This happened. I get this happened. This happened. This happened. This happened. I'm so sorry for sharing it. And I'm like, no, thank you for sharing. I too. This is what happened to me. This. You see, people don't want to go first, but they want to go second. Yeah. Uh huh. If you've been in a situation, it's like, hey, how you doing? Oh, I- I'm great. Things are great. Things are fine. Things are great. 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 But if the same situation happens, but one of those people is like, actually, I didn't get much sleep last night, and then the others are like, oh my gosh, me too. And it must be something. Oh, is it your size? So and that's not if you have the bravery to just go first, you have to have the confidence yes. that people are going to be behind. And it, it, you can't say, I totally failed a business and yeah. people are going to be like, me too. It's a matter of like these little small human things that people mm-hmm. can relate to. Then they get to know you and then they like you and then they trust you and then... I always then say fun. this as well to my class in yoga. I'm like, to be unafraid of judgment is the greatest freedom mm. to have. Woo! Especially in yes. yoga. I, I, I'm doing hot <laughs> yoga now. And it's like, you know, once you oh, once day. you get over you what you look class. like... Too hot. I can't. It's so good for you. I know. I told somebody the other day, I felt like I almost died and then I didn't you and I liked it. it. <laughs> <laughs> you evolved. Like I was like on the brink and I'm like, oh, I can't do it. But then I did it and I was like... Actually, I feel pretty good about it now, right? See, that's the whole thing about just accepting and being. You're sweating out everybody else in the room is. So just don't judge yourself. Just be within yourself. It's fine. And we always like to end on tangible tools. And I kind of want to relate it to that because um, I think, you know, when you are speaking and listening, listen with the intent to learn rather than the intent to judge. 
Yeah. Because often we are trying to be preempt as to what we're going to say next, or what is that person saying, or why are they looking like this, or looking at me like blah 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 blah. Right. Too many different dialogues in our heads. Just listen with the intent to learn what are they actually saying. And there's four thousand micro movements that happen in your face, and so you may not be thinking that you're communicating something because the words that are coming out of your mouth, you're like, "This is what I'm saying." The if you want a practical tip, it is along these lines, and it's that as a good communicator. You are not responsible for what you say. You're responsible for what people hear. And if you have pauses, you ensure that people can hear. You can check in. Because sometimes we just blast through it. We, I gave the information. I said it. I said it. But did they understand did it? So really start to it. be responsible for the message that people receive. And it might not be the message that you intended. And it's a way to sort of slow things down, get on the same page, and people want to be listened to. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen? Uh, we have to wrap up. But uh, have you ever seen the TV show called Lie to Me? No, I don't watch much TV. But it is exactly they talk about mac- macro and micro expressions. And Ooh. I mean, you want to talk about a oh, show that wow. literally what you just said? Yeah. It is incredible because you don't realize how much you're communicating, and sometimes. You don't even mean that, you're but right. you're you're so used to being a certain way and shaking yourself out of that. Now, where can everyone keep in contact with you and new projects that you have? Yeah, going? so everything goes to RyanFolan.com, and the business is InfluenceTree.com, and the book is DitchTheAct.com. Although we're building, we're, we're getting all of our website, you know, put together. But follow DitchTheAct on Twitter and all platforms, just at DitchTheAct. But here's a, here's the thing: it's my name. It's RyanFolan.com. It's independent of anything else. So no matter matter what I do, you can always find me. And the one thing you own online is your own domain. Mm -hmm. Yep. So So I know we have to wrap up, but I am going to wrap it up. Hell yeah. Here is the deal. Let me give it to you real. The key to connection is to learn to reveal. You see, you are not perfect, but neither am I. And that is the exact reason we see eye to eye. Everybody's different, but we're all the same. To be imperfectly perfect is the name of the game. If you only showcase good and do not share the bad, you will miss connections that you never knew you had. Hey! Thank you for coming in. I'm super excited. We're gonna yes. we have three we got three more. We got, we got three more titles. And then when the book Ooh. drops. Yeah, October 2019. Boom, we definitely have you come yes. back in. Awesome. Yasmin, where can everyone keep in contact? Yeah, well you can find me at Yasmin Tan. And do not forget to follow us at Talking TED Talks. And where can we find you on your social media? Boom! Everywhere at DJ Jesse J. Also, make sure you guys follow us at AfterBuzz TV across all social media platforms. Till next week, same time, same place. Peace. Ciao. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.